Hey, glad to have you. My name is Joe Pags. In for Sean Hannity today. Make sure you follow Sean everywhere. Go to Hannity.com. Uh, really glad to be in today. And I appreciate Sean and Linda, who's alongside, by the way, along with Ethan, um, in having me back today. There's so much going on, and we've got a really, really packed lineup for you. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, bottom of this hour, top of next hour, Sean Spicer, and then uh, 45 himself. Former President Donald Trump will call in at the bottom of hour number three. That'll be a live interview at 5.30 Eastern time. Make sure you make plans to check it out. But there's so much going on. Holy mackerel. And the one thing that people continue to get wrong, well, I guess there are a lot of things they continue to get wrong. The vaccine stuff, they get it wrong every day. COVID stuff, they get it wrong every day. But what people really get wrong is what happened on January 6th of this year. They get it wrong on purpose. They call it an insurrection, which is a word that neither you nor I ever used before today, before this day and age in America. We never used that word before. I'm somebody who uses words for a living, and I've never used the word insurrection. Linda, you use words for a living. Did you ever use that word before in your life? I have never used that word. It's a word that sounds really dash insurrection. If you say it, and by the way, every lefty who tries to say it doesn't say that. They say the E word, which I can say on radio, but I just, I'm uncomfortable saying it. Um, you know, Schumer said it. Anderson Cooper said the E word because they can't get insurrection right for some reason. But if you say insurrection, it sounds like some militia took up arms and tried to burn the Capitol down. That didn't happen. It's also an attack at our democracy to try to overturn the results of the duly prosecuted election. Well, that's not true either. In fact, we've got a document. It's only about 16 pages written out. If you've never read it, go and read it. But we've got a document, the Constitution, that literally says, here's how you appeal or or confront the results of an election if you disagree with them. January 6th, there was a job to be done that day. And by the way, community organizers, and and I use that term because it's a good thing when Obama's a community organizer, when the right community organizes, everybody's bad. But hundreds of thousands of people showed up in Washington that day, and they were peaceful, they had their voices heard, they were patriotic, they did the right thing. A few hundred acted like idiots. And they might have been provoked, and we hope that we'll get all the footage from that day to find out. But let's talk about legitimately what that day was supposed to be. That was the day... When the president of the Senate, that's the vice president of the United States, opens up the envelopes from individual states and presents the delegates to the House and the Senate. Now, I'm going to disagree with with what some people are saying about Mike Pence. And even former President Trump, I think, has said something that I disagree with. I don't think Mike Pence could have not opened the envelopes. I think his job is only to open the envelopes, say, here I've got the delegates from Wisconsin, Florida, New York, whatever. And then it's up to the House and the Senate to challenge if they want to challenge. I don't think he had the right or the ability constitutionally to not even open the envelopes. I think that day is the day that he is the, he's not really the arbiter. He's just the overseer. He opens the envelopes and says, okay, here are the delegates from Pennsylvania or Michigan or Arizona. Let's say it's a state that was in question. At that point, a member of the Senate, Ted Cruz, and he did some challenging that day, or a member of the House, Jim Jordan, somebody like that, can say, I am, am challenging those delegates from that state. Now, constitutionally, that is the process. That's a mechanism that's, a, that's in place. It is not an affront to our democracy. It is not an attempt to overturn a duly prosecuted election. It is constitutionally sound, and it's a mechanism put in by the founders that said, we'll make sure there's no cheating. You can challenge if you want. 
the process is somebody from the other chamber, either the House or the Senate, has to join into your challenge. And if they do, then those chambers vote to either accept or reject those delegates. What many people don't know is in a general election, the delegates from both the Republican and the Democrat Party cast their ballots. The ones that allegedly won the state are then sent to the president of the Senate, the vice president of the United States. If they're challenged successfully, those delegates will be thrown out, the delegates from the other party will be counted, and they would have gone to Trump. That was the process that was in place that day. For somebody like Jamie Raskin, who keeps on saying that it was an affront to our democracy, it's disgusting, the insurrection, they tried to overturn a duly uh, prosecuted election. Well, he's a liar. In 2016, guess what Jamie Raskin did? He challenged the delegates for Donald Trump out of Florida, I believe. Well, that's weird. This is the same guy that was the chief lawyer in the second impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump. The same guy who was the lead lawyer for the left trying to impeach Trump and stop him from ever running again because of what happened on January 6th. He's the same guy that challenged the election four years earlier. Nobody said a word. Don't tell anybody that our lead lawyer did that. Forgetting that somebody else on the panel, like, I don't know, Swalwell, was dating a Chinese spy for five years. Forget that Alan Schiff lied his ass off about everything when it comes to Russia. None of that matters. What matters is Trump bad. Look at his hair. I don't like the way he tweets. So January 6th, you had people doing their righteous duty while speaking. Then President Trump said, I know now you'll leave here and you'll patriotically and peacefully march to the Capitol and tell them to do the right thing. Never, ever provoked any violence, nothing like that. But what I said to Roger Stone last hour was something I think the Bears repeating. And I don't know if you heard it, and if you didn't, I'm going to say it again. The process was underway to challenge delegates from states that were in question. If those challenges were taken, they were seconded, and they were voted on, there was a chance, outside chance, slim chance, but a chance that those Democrat delegates could have been switched to Republican delegates. They could have gone from Biden to Trump. There was no outcome that would have made it worse for Trump. There was only an outcome that would have made it worse for Biden. There was only an outcome that could have possibly made it better for Trump, and again, worse for Biden. So when the attack happens, the riot happens, the breach happens, we've got Capitol Police on actual video that are saying, okay, listen, I'm against what you're doing, but it's your right. Come on in. They're moving barriers out of the way, telling people to come on in. And then you've got one guy specifically, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head, who was there that people were chanting, fed, 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 as if he was a federal agent. This guy was on the be on the lookout list. He was on the wanted list and then just disappeared from the list. Nobody's looking for him anymore. And there are suggestions that he could have been somebody who was provoking the crowd to go and do what they did. Well, what did they succeed at doing that day? Those who broke the law and did bad things. They succeeded at stopping the challenge. They succeeded at stopping the process. They succeeded at helping Biden and hurting Trump. Now, I'm not here to say Biden set it up. I'm not here to say Pelosi set it up. It's kind of interesting. She's the boss of the Capitol Police and rejected the call for more police officers there that day rejected the idea that there'd be the National Guard there. You know, she's the same person, Nancy Pelosi, who did have the ability to make it safer that day. But who benefited? Not only did the challenges go away because people are like, oh, I can't challenge now. Holy crap, they they breached the Capitol. Not only did the challenges go away, 
This gave Nancy Pelosi and her idiots in the House the ability to bring up charges, articles of impeachment again, and to try to again convict the sitting president weeks, two weeks before he was going to leave office anyway because of the process. But the conviction wasn't about getting him out of office. The conviction would have been about stopping him from ever running again. Why do you think there's a January 6th commission now? What I just said, every bit of it is verifiably true. Every single thing I just said is true. Biden did not stand to benefit from the challenges Trump did. So why would Trump supporters stop the challenge? And again, I'm not here to say Biden supporters did it. Maybe Trump supporters, the ones that broke in, the three, four, five hundred, maybe they were just stupid. And maybe they were just acting out. And maybe they were just follow the leader off the bridge. Who knows? I'm not here to say it was Biden supporters. I tell you this, he benefited. The left benefited and it gave them the reason, the impetus to start this stupid commission that I don't even think is legal because the only Republican representation are two people who voted for impeachment and who hate Donald Trump. So think about that. You won't hear what I just said on CNN, MSNBC, on ABC, CBS, NBC. You won't, you won't see that on the Daily Beast or these other online idiots. You won't hear the true story. And most of you, before I just said it, and I'm sure Sean has said it as well, didn't even realize that the Constitution allows for what was happening that day before the breach and before the riot. This was not some sort of unlawful challenge to overturn a duly prosecuted election. This was a process outlined by the founders to make sure cheating couldn't happen. And that process was stopped dead cold in its tracks. Your thoughts about this when we come back. I really want to know what you think about what I just said. And if you want to challenge what I just said, I'm down for that too. 1-800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-7326. You can go to JoePags.com. Send me an email if you want. Check out all my social media. And check out the brand new website too. JoePags.com. J-O-E-P-A-G-S dot C-O-M. We're coming right back on the Sean Hannity Show. Stay here. Stories of the day with solutions to help move America forward. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Len Berman and Michael Riedel in the morning. 6 till 10 tomorrow on 710 W. Glad to have you. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Your boy Joe Pags in for Sean. J-O-E-P-A-G-S dot com. Go to the brand new redesigned website. I, I love it. I'm very happy with it, which means I didn't have you know much to do with it. Uh, Linda and, and Blair did a great job with it. Go and check that out. And again, social media, the big three, it's at Joe Talk Show. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go and follow now. You're not going to be advertised my page. They won't show you my page, but if you go directly there, you can follow also Joe Talk Show on Getter, which doesn't squelch me. Parlor and Telegram, it's at Joe Pags. The bottom line is this. If it's a verified page, it is me. If it's not verified, it's somebody pretending to be me. Um, somebody just somebody just put this in my chat. Seriously, Linda, my fans are bigger fans of yours now than they are of me. Nick just said, I'm going to call in just to talk to Linda. That's not true. They're definitely, they're here to talk to you, not just me. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy with it. I'm glad. And, and I'm ha- Listen, happy. I'm happy to share the limelight. You know, I mean, you guys just make me look good. I'm here to produce the best. You're the best. And, you know, we all go home happy. 
and, and you're you're amazing. And the fact that, by the way, the fact that Linda's working right now is, is just special for me because it's Christmas week, and I was so glad that you decided that you would come in today. Thank you. And she's also like, I better come in because Pags is doing it. It could be bad. Uh, let me go to the phone line. I, first of all, that's what? not true. What's that? What's that? It's not um, true. Bubba, I, I, listen. The fact that his name is Bubba means I have to take him on the air. You're on the air. What's happening, brother? Talk to me. Hey, just uh, I'm going to shoot it from the elbow this time for you, but nice. uh, <laughs> uh, un, I'm very unvaccinated uh, yeah. and have a coworker that is vaccinated. Right. Uh, got the extra jab, mm-hmm. and uh, just yesterday tested positive for COVID. Can you please tell me why I need well, the jab? Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll shoot it from the knee. Um, uh, Bubba, you don't need the jab if your doctor doesn't say you need the jab. The fact that we can't make um, a decision through informed consent and that we can't talk to our medical provider, our doctor, the person that we trust, is something that is just untrue. The Nuremberg Code says you can't make somebody take some sort of an experimental vaccine or, or medicine without informed consent. I mean, this is not me making it up. This is actually international law that says what they're pushing on us is not copacetic. There's something wrong with that. And to the point that your coworker who had the jab or the two jabs or the eight jabs ended up getting COVID, we can just look at, Linda and I were talking about this during the break earlier. In Israel, per capita, more vaccinated people than anywhere else on earth, and suddenly there's a surge in COVID-19 cases. Listen, if you get the shot, and your doctor says you need it, comorbidities, you're of an age group, you're, you're at high risk for some reason, this could help you have milder symptoms. Otherwise, it does not stop you from getting it, doesn't stop you from spreading it, and the misnomer and the, and the wrong claims made by Saki and Ron Klain and, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris just aren't going to watch with the American people because we're smarter than they think. Or you're unvaccinated because you're you're unsophisticated. I'm just going to, it could be that. Linda, it could be that. He's just not sophisticated. His name's, name's Bubba, for God's sakes, you know? Putting it right out there. She's answering the phone. Let me go back at it. Joe is also in Florida. Joe, talk to me. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Um, you know, that they, all all these things with the with the vaccination of all people and all this that and right. trying to mandate people to get vaccinated. You know, I know a lot of my friends that have been vaccinated and they still get it. And I haven't been vaccinated, and I did get it at the beginning. But you know, maybe it's just luck, or maybe it's just because. You know, I'm I, I I haven't gotten vaccinated, and since I got it already, it's it's all good. But this guy wants to incarcerate, you know, regular citizen, regular Joe's, just like me and you. And why doesn't he start with the, with the people coming illegally to this country, and then all all these other people that that you know that that he he wants to like give away our country to, you know. Wait a second. Are you suggesting that illegal immigrants should be checked for vaccination status at the border? Racist! <laughs> Joe, I'm with you. I completely agree. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> I completely agree with you. At the end of the day, um, you're, you're going to be called a racist. You're going to be you hate the brown people. You hate the brown tide. You know, you're going to go, you're going to have the whole left hate. Listen, listen, if you're an illegal immigrant, your life is so bad that you need free crap from America so much that you can bring the COVID and we just have to accept it. You didn't realize that if you're an immigrant, you can't spread it or something? No. The fact is 20%, it's alleged, come here with COVID-19. Zero, like 2% are, are vaccinated. So people are being allowed in. They're being sent anywhere they want on a plane, on a train, in a car. They're going. In, they're taking jobs from Americans. And if you say anything, you are the big R, man. You're the biggest racist walking the planet. How dare you ever say anything like that? Don't you get it? They just want a better life. 
So, listen, very good point. And, of course, it's an obvious point. It's an obvious point that Biden and this administration will ignore because they just don't want to talk about truth. They want to talk about an agenda. When we come back, talking about an agenda, Elon Musk versus Elizabeth Warren. Dinesh D'Souza and I break that down on The Sean Hannity Show. Stay right here. Glad to be here. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Joe Pags in for Sean Hannity today. Uh, really glad to have back my friend. He's an author. He is a great movie maker, now an incredible podcaster. It is uh, the man you know, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, how are you? Good to see you. Uh, doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's interesting, Dinesh. The other day, we see this back and forth between Elon Musk, who just doesn't care. And I love that. He just doesn't care. He's not going to get in line for the progressives in this country. He's going back and forth with Elizabeth Warren, who I think he called Senator Karen. Um, she, along with Bernie Sanders and people like, uh, like Biden and others, keep on talking about the rich paying their fair share. They're not paying their fair share. Uh, he somehow is a freeloader. And you just went right at this issue on your podcast and you said, let's expose the real freeloader. First of all, wh- what do you think the inception is of the lie by the left that the rich aren't paying their fair share? We know the top 1% pays 40% of all taxes. The top 10% pays 70% of all taxes. So where does that idea even come from? Is it just a matter of indoctrinating us to believe they've got more than we have, so we should get more of their stuff? This goes back to Obama, who started this business with the fair share. Now, at no point did Obama ever say, this is what it would be fair to pay. Because, you know, whenever someone says that they want change, they're a liberal, if you will, it's always good to ask them, well, in what society would you be be a conservative? You want people to pay more? Well, how much more? Would you be happy with 50? Would you be happy with 60? Can we stop at 70? They never say. They're, they're, They're directional, but they never outline their ultimate destination. Now, uh, typically, they make this argument not by looking at data, because the top 1% pays a tremendous amount of the taxes. Right. The top 10%, as you say, pays the vast majority. Uh, and then the bottom 40% in income taxes pays virtually nothing at all. So if anything, we, we have people, lots of people not paying their fair share, and they're at the bottom end of the spectrum. Now, the way that Biden and others on the left get away with this is that they find one or two anecdotes. And typically, you know, you, even with Elon Musk, you could go back to earlier years and say, look, in this particular year, Elon Musk didn't pay. In that particular year, Trump didn't pay. And part of the reason for that is that these people are entrepreneurs. Very often when they get money in, they invest it right in the business. So you're not taxed until you start taking the money out. Uh, because then it becomes income to you. So Elon Musk is going to pay a huge amount of taxes for 2021. And look at what this guy has created. I mean, he's a huge embarrassment to the left. Why? Because he does the stuff that they only talk about. Right. Government should build electric cars. Well, he's actually building an electric car. You know, government should handle the space program and take us to Mars. Well, Elon Musk is organizing private space travel. He's organizing Mars. And in addition, he has all these, you know, kind of out of the box ideas to fix traffic patterns in congested cities, uh, ways to augment the human brain with artificial intelligence. So this is a guy that has a really supple mind and is a real creator of new ideas and new things. Because he's also an engineer. He doesn't just dream stuff up. And he's not just a digital mogul. He's a guy who can make physical stuff. 
Now, contrast this with like Elizabeth Warren. I mean, here's somebody <laughs> who's been a faker her whole life. Right. She got her Harvard appointment by putting on feathers and showing up, you know, basically doing the rain dance and saying, I'm a Native American because my parents talked about it. So here's someone who has traveled under false flags and false colors as, in a sense, you could almost say stolen from the Native Americans, because whether you agree or not, those benefits were designated for people of Native American heritage. So here's a complete fraud. Bernie Sanders, the same thing. Guy never had a job in his life. He's gone from being a private leech to now being a public leech. But these people don't create any wealth. So they look at Elon Musk and they hate him because ultimately he's showing the, the fact that we don't need any of these characters because we have entrepreneurs who can do this stuff by themselves. It's Dinesh D'Souza. Go to DineshD'Souza.com. Check out his podcast. It's amazing. It's a vodcast. You see him as well as you hear him. He also has great guests on. And you'll hear amazing monologues like that. A couple of things jump out at me. Number one, um, uh, Elon Omar actually said in an interview that she thought 90% was good. Uh, for the rich people. And of course, everybody freaked out when you hear 90%. So to your point, if they put a number on it, we'll actually understand what it is they're trying to do. And if they say 50%, they can't go past 50%. So that also limits them. But there's an interview that you may or may not have seen several years ago where Will Smith, the actor, was being interviewed on French TV. And they said, are Americans paying enough taxes? He said, no, 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 we got to pay more taxes. And they said, well, would you pay 40? He said, yeah, I'll pay 40. Then they said, well, would you pay 50? He said, absolutely. I make a lot of money. I pay 50%. They said, would you pay 75? He went, oof, I'm not paying 75. What are you, crazy? So there is a number that will even turn the most leftist people against those who are allegedly the leaders. Is that the game, Dinesh? Is that why they don't really say what the number is? Just that those people over there are bad. They've got nicer cars and houses than you. We should get it from them. And that's really the game, right? Yes, it's uh, they're tapping into, uh, I mean, envy is a very powerful human vice. And think about it. It's the only vice that will never name itself. Nobody right. ever looked in the mirror and ever said, hey, there stands an envious man. Uh, people don't even <laughs> admit to themselves when they're envious of somebody else. So it's a, it is a political um, it is something that politicians have learned to tap in a very cunning way. I, I see, for example, Obama as the master of this genre. And speaking about tax rates, Obama's father, the very guy that Obama said he got his dreams from, once wrote a paper about why 100% tax rates were actually okay. Wow. He goes, it doesn't really matter because he goes, ultimately, it's just a matter of how the money is spent. So if the government knows how to spend it better, then why not have people earn money and take everything they have? And that, of course, gives great incentive to go to work if you give every dime to the government. It's Dinesh D'Souza. Go to DineshD'Souza.com, get every book he's ever done, see every movie he's ever made, and go and check out his podcast. He's on Rumble, he's on YouTube, he's all over the place on Locals now because there's a connection between Rumble and Locals. Go and check that out as well. Let me ask you about the Sovietization or the Sovietization of America. The only thing I really remember about the Soviet Union, and I thank God it, it went away, was that they first got rid of the media, the free media. You had to have a complicit media. Anybody else who had a different voice was persecuted, prosecuted, maybe even killed when it came to the actual Soviet Union and what we see in China now. Um, when it comes to religion, the government needs to be the religion. What are you seeing happening in America that says this is literally the Sovietization of our country? When we think of the term Sovietization, it's easy to focus solely upon the horrors, for example, of the Stalinist regime, uh, which did create massive havoc, a kind of um, 
a giant pile of bodies, uh, in fact, a, a death toll to rival Hitler. But it, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding of ordinary life in the Soviet Union to see it that way. Because let's remember, the Soviet Union got started with Lenin uh, around 1917. Right. It lasted all the way till the early 1990s. And you had a multitude of Soviet leaders, Kosygin, and then Brezhnev, and then Andropov, and Chernenko, and ultimately Gorbachev. So what was ordinary? What was the ordinary Soviet Union like? Well, first of all, they had a kind of elite ruling class that lived by its own rules. They called it the nomenclatura. Well, we're developing that in this country. What I mean is you have people who, for example, uh, have private security, but they don't want other people to have guns. Right. They have tall walls around their own house, but they don't want the country to have a wall around it. So they believe that they are superior people and they deserve special consideration. Uh, second, uh, the Soviet Union had um, a censorship, not just of the media, uh, but they basically the ordinary citizen was frightened to say what he thought. Reagan would often tell jokes, and his jokes were the kind of jokes that circulated privately in the Soviet Union because you couldn't say them in public. And by public, I mean you couldn't say them at work. You couldn't say them at school, because if you did, you would be ostracized, you'd be removed, you would face a penalty. Well, look at the close similarity between that kind of... Um, uh, a fear in the Soviet Union and what we now have in America where large topics are completely out of bounds and you can't say them in corporations, you'll get fired, you can't say them in the media, you'll be ejected, you certainly can't say them in the entertainment industry uh, and you can't say them on digital media because you'll be blatantly deplatformed de or censored. And I could go on, I think right. in my podcast I gave eight separate reasons to think that we are, I'm not saying we're the Soviet Union, I'm simply saying we are moving almost inexorably in that direction. Direction. We're on the road. It's Dinesh D'Souza. Well, Dinesh, when you say, you know, when, when you when you're at the workplace or you're on Twitter or you're even having a private conversation over dinner at your house, if you say the wrong thing, the Soviet Union, if I have this right, would, would indoctrinate people so much that if you told on your neighbor, you would gain favor with them. So literally, people are telling on people like you and me, and again, we're on the road, we're not in the Soviet Union, but they're telling on people like you and me to get us deplatformed, to get us demonetized, to get us kicked off of radio or television or a podcast. I mean, that's really going on. Is that a part of it where you meld the mind and indoctrinate people so much to say, be my pet as the government, and I'll give you a few more morsels than Dinesh gets? Yes, and, and, and the censorship is one thing, but accompanying it is a is a regime of ideological indoctrination. And if you look at what's going on, for example, in our schools and universities, it's very much like what was happening in the Soviet Union. In other words, there's a kind of ideologically driven curriculum, which, by the way, and very interestingly extended to Soviet science. The Soviet Union, I mean, the Russians are very smart people and they've made huge advances in science, but Soviet science ground to a halt. Why? Because science was completely subordinated to ideology. Right. There was a notorious Soviet scientist called Lysenko, and Lysenkoism has come to symbolize, if you will, ideologically driven science. Well, we're seeing that now in our country. We, we don't all have the means that uh, that Elon Musk has. I mean, he can get in the face of Elizabeth Warren and laugh at her and call her Senator Karen. The rest of us, not so much because we don't have the sort of wherewithal that he has. What suggestion do you have to, to take us off that road to the Sovietization of our country? What can we say and do? The Constitution still exists, although many believe we might be post-constitutional, and the left ridiculously thinks it's a living, breathing you know thing that you could change, which you can't. It's a foundation. What, what, 
advice do you have to those watching and listening right now that would help us to raise our voices and not have uh, those around us put their thumb on us? Organize politically, get involved in school boards, use your influence in society and on social media. Uh, Make sure that you are set up on alternative digital platforms because on the mainstream platforms, whether you know it or not, there's a sword of Damocles hanging over your head. Debbie and I did a segment recently where we talked about, we actually spoke kind of openly to Elon Musk and we said, listen, fun as it is to watch you skirmish with George Soros, uh, I'm sorry, skirmish with Elizabeth Warren um, on Twitter, you have the ability, the resources and the the power to become the anti-George Soros. There's a guy who puts tens of you know millions and ultimately billions of dollars uh, into his causes and he, and he's changed america and he's changed the world by doing it well elon musk has resources far greater than soros and he could do far more good to protect the free market system that makes his success possible very good points, all of this. I think that people are waking up to the fact that we're on that road. They didn't know that it was called the Sovietization of America, but they know that we're on that road where the sophisticated don't have to wear masks because they're sophisticated. Or if you're in San Francisco, Tony, 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 that group from the 80s and 90s re- reunited. So you don't have to wear a mask there either because, again, you're a Democrat and you're sophisticated. If you're a bad guy like Dinesh D'Souza and Joe Paggs and Sean Hannity, you've got to mask up, you've got to vaccinate, you've got to do all these things and get in line or else you're going to be canceled. I hope that Elon Musk listens to you. I know that I listen to you, Dinesh. DineshDeSouza.com. Just give me one last word, if you don't mind, to, to the regular citizen out there who doesn't realize the freedoms and liberties they have. There is a push in this country. Maybe 30 seconds on this. There's a push in this country to to make the younger generation believe the Constitution really isn't a thing anymore. Don't worry about reading it because it doesn't really matter. It's from those evil slave owners. Yeah, I mean, I talked just today on the podcast about a University of Miami law professor who talks about literally getting rid of the First Amendment. She says, let's redo it. That's her word. Let's redo the First Amendment. In other words, you have free speech, but your free speech is up to a point. Uh, It comes with a kind of legal responsibility uh, and it's subordinate to the collective welfare of society. So, you know, I think that this woman is just saying out loud what larger numbers of leftists and progressives have now come to believe. So it's kind of a scary prospect. So keep your voice loud. Read that document. It's not that long. Understand what these God-given rights are and how that document protects us from the government overrunning those rights. Dinesh, I love having you on. Let's do it again soon, can we? Love to. Thanks very much. Go and check out his podcast right now. Go to Rumble. Go to YouTube. Go and check him out, DineshDeSouza.com. Go to Locals. Anything he does, go and ingest it because you're going to learn a lot from it. We're back after this on The Sean Hannity Show. Stay here. Glad to have you, Joe Pags, in for Sean Hannity. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Incredible radio stations everywhere. Thank you very much to Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, let me grab a quick phone call here. A lot of people have been holding for a long time, and uh, you got to go fast for me. That's the only uh, the only caveat here. Let me go to uh, January sixth and Robert, who's in North Carolina. Robert, about a minute. Let's go. Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, love the program. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Cool. Uh, anyway, the problem we've got in the United States is the educational system. I remember back when I was young, Khrushchev made a statement. I was just a child, and I heard it all my life from my parents. 
give me America's children till they're 12 years old, and I'll take them down from within and never fire a shot. Then next thing you know, we got the Department of Education created. Now, if we don't train our children the right way, teach them about the history of the United States, which we have not, that's what the problem is. We don't know what the Constitution says. Our children don't know what the Constitution says. We've got to get into the educational, get back to the ground, grassroots of what happened in this country when it was formed, and let everybody understand that that's what's going on. Now, here in North Carolina, real quick, we've got uh, we got a lot of great people that's running for uh, U.S. Senate position up there in, Ro- in uh, Washington for uh, Richard Burr's position. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, and they're all good. But there's one guy that's running. His name is Kenneth Harper, and I tell you what, he's going to bring this stuff back to us. But anyway, that's just, uh, uh, you know, my opinion. I'm hearing so much from Robert, everybody. I love you like a brother. i got to run, my brother. I appreciate you. I gave you about a minute and a half. That's all I really had. Uh, all very good points. Spend some time with your kids. Teach them about the Constitution. Give them a pocket Constitution if you have to. Quick break here. Remember, next hour, 45, President Donald J. Trump calls in. Keep it here.